0: Happy Thursday, everyone, and welcome back to Unbothered. Your host, Josh, here. Today, there's been a few more games that have been released for BNFL. In anticipation of the schedule release in a few hours, I'm going to react to those few that were released. Then I'm going to get into the NBA. Next four is to Game 6, Warriors stay alive, then Celtics 76ers tonight. 76ers can close out, as well as the Nugget Suns, but some key underlying storylines for both those games, some news coming out from that series, and then get into the All-NBA selection after that. So let's go ahead and get right into it, uh, starting with the NFL schedule release, or at least the uh, so like select few that they have also released. Yesterday, I talked about the few that they released, the international, uh, and like the few ones, the uh, Black Friday game and Christmas Eve and all that. So today they released a few more. They released the season opener, and that was actually quite the shock to me. Uh, if you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know I am a Detroit Lions fan. Uh, so I was in a bit of a shock when they said the season opener was going to be the Detroit Lions playing the Kansas City Chiefs. The season opener. Lord have mercy. Uh, And I'm also an objective Lions fan, uh, an objective fan of all my teams, so you don't get any homer takes on here. So for Lions, you know, last year they had one primetime game, and it was the Week 18 flex. They played good. They won that game. Very good season last year. And I said, oh, I am excited for this year. We're going to have more primetime games. I believe they could have had five. Uh, And, I, you know, again, I was hoping for more, but I don't like this. I didn't want this primetime matchup. Oh, the Lions have to show up. And I'm fine if the Lions lose this game. If it's close like it was last year when they played the Eagles and Bills, if they lose by a field goal by three points, there is no shame in that. But that place is going to be rocking. This, to me, this is the toughest test the Lions have faced. Now, last year... Good team went into Arrowhead. I mean, my bad. Went into Lambeau Field on the Sunday night and won that game. But this is a different beast. The Lions are playing the defending, reigning Super Bowl champions, the Kansas City Chiefs, two-time Super Bowl winners of the past four years, Kansas City Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes, who just recently added another MVP, and they have Travis Kelsey, and I have to play them on opening night where I said, you know, I think Patrick Mahomes has like two losses in his career in September, in his career. Something ridiculous like that. Um, They better be ready to play, I'll tell you that. You don't want to stink up the joint on that season opener. You have to be ready. I was hoping, you know, because I knew they were going to play the Chiefs uh, with the opponents that were going to be released. I was hoping for like halfway through the season, you know, when the Lions have kind of found their gear, Jamison Williams is back in the lineup, Uh, some of their rookies that they drafted, you know, will be more up to speed. But this, this is an initiation. This is a baptism by fire. This is going to tell me if the Lions are ready to show up week one or if... There's going to be some growing pains for the first few weeks of this season. Oh, I'm excited, but I'm also nervous. Uh, if I place money on this game right now, would heavily be on the Chiefs. I'm sorry. I just how it rolls. And again, not an objective. Or I'm a, an objective Lions fan here. Uh, and I thought, you know, again, I was shocked because, you know, they had the Bengals, which was going to be like the Christmas game. And I thought that was a good candidate for the season opener. Uh, they said the other season opener were the Chargers. Uh, again, good the best divisional opponent they could have had. Uh, the Bills again, that storied rivalry night now with Josh Allen and uh, Patrick Mahomes and those two teams. And then the other one was the, the Eagles and I really thought yesterday after the Bills or the Bengals Chiefs release that the Eagles uh, Chiefs was going to be the season opener, considering how that game went, and then I just, you know, I think that would have just been awesome to have the season opener. That To me, that would have been the perfect season opener. Uh, you know, now it's like the season opener is just a nice football season started, but now on Thursday night when the season starts, I'm already going to have to stress about this. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But like I said, the season opener I thought would be the Eagle Chiefs. That's actually, I think, Week 5. It's Monday Night Football, Eagles-Chiefs. That is going to be a great, great matchup in Kansas City. As well, like I said, Kansas City has a difficult schedule, but it's favorable because they get a lot of these teams at home. I think this matchup will be fantastic. Um, Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, again, the Super Bowl rematch. Now, no Juju Smith-Schuster. We don't have to worry about... Uh, the James Bradbury holding, uh, but I think we'll see here to me right now. These are the best team in the NFC, best team in the AFC. They get to collide week five. We'll see how they work, see how, you know, if Jalen Carter's in the lineup, you know, the key guy that they got in my draft, if Nolan Smith is progressing in some of those draft picks. So again, that Monday night football game, I think will be fantastic. That's another great game that they announced. Um, Eagles Chiefs. So, Add that one to the slate before all the all the schedule gets released. Then they also released Monday Night Football for the opening week. And it is the Buffalo Bills and the New York Jets. Now, yesterday, I was talking uh, to my family. You know, we were talking about some of the schedule stuff from yesterday. And I said, I think the Bills and Jets... That could be opening Sunday night. I really do think that. Well, I was close. It's opening Monday night football, and it just makes sense. Uh, You know, from a first-week hype perspective, it's Josh Allen and the high-powered Bills going up against the Jets now with Aaron Rodgers and that, you know, team that looks revitalized and revamped with Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers. Looks like a new man, happier. Um, this is going to be a tremendous matchup again. I think the Jets are in a very similar boat with the Lions. Uh, Jets and Lions had a lot of similarities last year, in um, you know their second year coaches and their record and all that. But for the Jets, I think they're kind of going to be going through those fans the same way as the Lions. It's you know you're excited to get this year off, but really the Bills. Opening night, uh, I mean, I think that's as tough as tough as the Lions get it. But for the Jets, you know, you have to be confident that, hey, Zach Wilson beat these Bills once last year. Uh, we got Aaron Rodgers now at home. Last year didn't have a ton of primetime games this year. Probably have a lot with Aaron Rodgers. That's going to be a terrific matchup to see Aaron Rodgers. First time as a Jet. Uh, you know, he's been to the practices and training camp. He seems involved. So is that going to pay off week one or are we going to see some growing pains early with the Jets in these games, kind of like we did Brady in the first four weeks of the season with the Bucks uh, before they took off. But it's also going to be, I think, special emotional night is that first Monday night football game, Bills-Jets in New York. Uh, that is going to be the 22-year anniversary of 9-11. So again... uh, I think the emotions will be running high. Uh, I think that's going to be a terrific, terrific game, a terrific atmosphere um, as well. Uh, that's another one I think just think that's that's high billing, high profile. That's going to be that's you know up there. I think is a top five matchup of the entire season, not just because of the two teams, but because of the day that it's on, the history in that. Again, Bills Jets. That's going to be fantastic. Then there were a couple more games. Two 49ers games were released, and of course they were against two teams that they faced in the playoffs, one being the Cowboys. They will play in Week 5. That will be a rematch of the divisional round in which the 49ers beat the Cowboys, held them to 12 points. The infamous weird snap with Ezekiel Elliott getting pummeled, which was just terrible. Now they can see if they get their revenge, see if they've improved in the offseason. And if they're able to match the physicality of that 49ers defense, see if Dak can take another step to being an elite quarterback or not, that's gonna be a good test there for that team considering Micah Parsons is not a fan of the or of the fan of the Niners. They wanted that rematch in the divisional round from the previous year's wild card. They got it. They failed. To me, the 49ers have the Cowboys number. That'll be a tremendous matchup week five as well as the Eagles Chiefs. That would be Monday night. Then you got 49ers Cowboys that Sunday night. Then the 49ers have another game. Week 13, it is a rematch of the NFC Championship game against the Eagles. To me, this will be fireworks. I think by week 13, whatever quarterback is the quarterback of the Niners, whether it be Brock Purdy or Trey Lance or Sam Darnold, whoever it may be. Uh, I think they'll really be in a groove. Hopefully they don't get injured that game like it was a MNFC championship game, so it's competitive. And I really do think that one will have some fireworks as well. Uh, Debo Samuel has been adamant that if Brock Purdy didn't get injured, they would have won. Uh, Called James Bradbury trash. Uh, He said a couple days ago as well that the Eagles are the team he hates the most. Uh, You know, that is the one team he's got circled. So, again, that 49ers-Eagles Week 13 game, that'll be good. That's, to me, two of the best teams in the NFC. That could be another potential playoff preview, maybe NFC Championship preview, we'll see. But those are two two very, very good teams. So, uh, so far, the little, the little droplets that they have given us before the full schedule reveal uh, has been very good. I think yesterday has been much more exciting and better games announced than yesterday's, but piecing some of this together, I think the schedule's going to be great. I'm excited for the full release in a few hours where I can see my team slate, tickets go on sale, and then I can spend my money accordingly on all the games I want to go to. Uh, but tomorrow's podcast will be full dedicated to the schedule release, just giving you a few snippets. Uh, today and yesterday, I won't go into the games that much that have already been announced uh, because of this podcast and yesterday's podcast. Uh, but tomorrow will be a full scheduled breakdown podcast right there. So now let's move on to the NBA. Starting with the Knicks Heat. Yesterday I thought the Heat would win, uh, beat the Knicks. I was wrong. Uh, close, but the Knicks forced a game six. and I got to say uh, I was thoroughly impressed uh, with Jalen Brunson and Quentin Grimes on the on the Knicks, they played every second of that game. They played all 48 minutes, didn't make any excuses. They knew what had to be done. Jalen Brunson was terrific, 38 points, uh, 9 rebounds, 7 assists, 12-for-22 uh, shooting, 10-for-12 from a free-throw line. He was tremendous. Quentin Grimes, you know, not offensively great, 8 points, But defensively, he made big plays. He was the key. Um, At the end of the game, he kind of stole the ball from Jimmy Butler but kind of iced the game. He was fantastic. And Jimmy Butler wasn't his usual self. Yes, he led the team in points, uh, but he only had 19, was relatively quiet, only 5 from 12 from the field. But it was encouraging seeing Bam getting going, Uh, 18 points, uh, good on the defensive side. And then the key of their team until – uh, Tyler Hero comes back, if he does, is Duncan Robinson. He got going from three. 17 points, 5 of 10 from three. 50% from three, I'll take it. If you miss uh, one, make your next one and repeat that. I am totally cool with that. So if they can get Duncan Robinson going, yes, he's a liability defensively. But you cannot give that man any space. He has a great shot. So some encouraging signs from the Heat before they go back to game six. Um, You know, Nick's good defensively, uh, but he, you know, he just I don't think it was their night. I think they'll play better. Uh, got out-rebounded by 16. Uh, that has been the Nick's calling card all regular season. Uh, hasn't been that way this series, but they finally got back to it. Uh, but I think he, next game, will come out very motivated. At yeah, home, uh, I still think it'd be close. I don't think Miami has this great uh, home court. Uh, but we'll see tomorrow if you are able to close the deal or not. Uh, but again, I just think this was a game he easily could have won. Uh, you know, really bad possessions down there at the end. When we were down by like one three, uh, three points. Kyle Lowry, back to back threes, I thought was terrible. Uh, that's not who I want shooting the ball in that situation. I thought you could have found an open look for um Duncan Robinson, I would have liked Jimmy Butler to touch the ball. And then Bam just tries a hero three. And I don't know why he's jacking up anything from beyond 10 feet. So a couple bad possessions there. He could have won this game. Uh, I still think they will close out this series uh, moving forward. Now I want to talk about the Warriors. Warriors stayed alive. Now I was right with this one. I didn't want to be right. Of course, rooting for LeBron and the Lakers. But I just thought, there's no way Warriors' dynasty is going to end in their own building. I just thought, impossible. So I was right about that. Uh, That was the truth Uh, there. They won that game. Uh, And to me, it was very clear what the problem is. It's the Lakers' transition defense. Uh... Warriors played desperate. They made their shots. But, again, uh, Lakers' defense wasn't great, in particular the transition defense. Now, that's been a problem. Uh, but yesterday, you know, it was glaring. Um, and Stan Van Gundy, the commentator for TNT, has mentioned that a couple times. The people on a breakaway, they just they don't get back. They don't want to get back. There's no hustle. So that's alarming. I don't like that at all. Uh I thought LeBron was all right, 25 points um, on 9 of 17 shooting, 3 for 7 from three. I think that's his best he's gonna give you. Anthony Davis, 23 points. Uh, I'm gonna get to Anthony Davis injury in just a minute, but LeBron, uh, I like how they gave him some rest when I mean, they knew the game was out of hand. He didn't get to 40 minutes. AD didn't get to 40. Uh, I thought D'Lo was all right. Austin Reeves was all right, didn't a shooter. I mean, they played good. If their defense was a little tighter, this would have been. I think one of those games down the stretch where it was 106-109 uh, tied down there, and they could have won the game. But that's not the case, especially when Draymond gave you 20 points, his best game not only of this series, but I think of this whole playoffs. Same with Andrew Wiggins, 25 points for him, best game of this playoffs. Well, Clay Thompson continues to be a no-show. Steph Curry was good, not as good as the previous game where he got that triple-double. I and mean, then Jordan Poole actually... Contributed something off the bench. Wasn't great, but gave them something outside of zero points. So I will definitely uh, give them that. Uh, they out-rebounded the Lakers. They out-hustled them. Again, that was a key in both these games where they were tight game Warriors and uh, Knicks. Both of them won. Uh, both of them were like plus 10, uh, plus 14 from the rebound uh, rebounding perspective. So That's something I think Lakers, you know, hopefully come out in Game 6 tomorrow like they did against uh, the Grizzlies in the last series and just poured on. What I also thought was humorous, not as humorous as Chuck and Shaq, uh, was AD got injured late in the game, uh, and it was a, I think, mild concussion. I don't even know if they actually officially ruled it a concussion, but some head injury. I got elbowed by a loony, and I'm glad it was in a knee or ankle that would have been devastating into the season. But you don't like to see it. He was actually wheelchaired out of the arena or out of the tunnel because they didn't want him on his feet. And I just couldn't believe it. I said, really? A concussion from basketball. Now, I know we talk about concussions in football like every week. But when we talk about the NBA, concussions aren't something that you think about when there's an NBA injury. So that was shocking. Of course, it has to be AD that suffers that type of injury. I mean, it's only apropos that it's AD who gets a concussion in an NBA game where there's very little concussions. But that's just the MO of Anthony Davis. I think they'll come back strong tomorrow and win that game, although it will be very close. They'll have to want to win it, unlike yesterday, where they kind of knew then, like they did last series, that they had game six in their back pocket. That's going to be the card they play. So hopefully that works out for them. Uh, cause if not, uh, game seven at the or, or at uh, Chase Center in Golden State, uh, could be rough. Uh, you don't want a 3-1 collapse. Especially on LeBron's resume, might have to take back all my lego jokes. Now let's get to tonight's games. 1st 76 seventy-sixers Celtics in Philly. Philly has a chance to close out the series. I think this is such a huge game for for both these teams. This series is huge for both these teams. Uh, I think Tatum will be brilliant. Uh, last year in Game Six, must win. Tatum was amazing. I think he'll be amazing again. Uh, I think he knows that he is, you know, the number one on this team. He's going to have to go up there and prove he's the number one. Uh, Celtics with Jalen Brown. I think Jalen Brown can get his shot, but it's important for Tatum to get going early. It's important for Al Horford not just think it up from three. So this is important really from the Celtics side uh, because – They lose this game, lose this series. Could this be the end of the um, Jalen Brown, uh, Jason Tatum era? They both made all NBA yesterday, which means combined they can make around $600 million. Uh, I think for Tatum, it's like six years 318, and for Jalen Brown, it's six years uh, 295, which is ridiculous uh, types of money. Uh, but you'd have to sacrifice a lot if they lose a series to even go forward with the, you know, Supermax for one of these guys or do a sign and trade. Uh, that's going to be fascinating to watch on that perspective. And then for the 76ers, this is the best chance they have to close out the series. You're at home. Now, we know Boston's beat you at home in the series, but you got to find a way to win this game. I don't think they want any piece of going back to Boston. In a Game 7, considering Harden's Game 7 track record, it is better to end this now. Now, this is key for the 76ers because, like I just mentioned with the Celtics, they blow a 3-2 series lead. Doc Rivers could very much well be out of a job with that. I think they could blow up this roster as well, maybe minus Joel Embiid, uh, James Harden, I think, would leave. So... Again, both these teams could be on the brink of major revamps, reshifts, whoever loses a series. I do think the Celtics win this game, force a Game 7. I'd really have to stew on who wins a Game 7 because the Celtics have been very inconsistent. They're not locked in as defensively as they were a year ago with Ian Udoka. Uh, I think they're still a very good team with Joe Mazzula, but I think they're lacking that extra gear. That they were that they found last year in the playoffs. So we'll see if they find it tonight, uh, or the season's over. But I do like the Celtics to win tonight. Then you got the Nuggets versus the Suns. Now I got the—I don't think the privilege. I bought the ticket, so I'm going to this game tonight. The Nugget Suns. Of course, I'm not a Suns fan. I'll be rooting for the Nuggets. And this game here, to me, is very interesting because Chris Paul's been out the past three games. Uh, They're 2-1 and without him. Those first two games they won. uh, And Michael Malone said, you know, this is no disrespect to Chris Paul, but they play a lot faster without Chris Paul. And it's true. They they push the ball up the floor more. Devin Booker handles it. Uh, They were fantastic. Um, And then, you know, at home... For Denver, uh, they found a way to win Game 5, go up 3-2, even with Chris Paul out. Um, You know, I don't think Chris Paul was needed then. It's just Aaron Gordon made his shots. KCP, Bruce Brown uh, made their shots. Again, But role players are better at home than they are on the road. So Chris Paul is out again this game, but there's other keys here, too, as well. Uh, Is Aiden, they say, is leaning towards being rolled out with a Uh, Rib contusion. And I think you just rule him out. Uh, Yesterday, I gave stats just on how bad Aiden has been in this series. Uh, I don't think you roll the dice with him injured. It's, you know, if he was a player like LeBron or like Shaq or like Michael Jordan, you just want them at their 50% even because you know they've got that instinct, that killer will that they're going to go out, make shots, make it tough on defense, just do something to be involved. Whereas Aiden, I don't think he'd be involved out night. I just don't. I think it'd be good for them uh, to sit him, play Jock Landale, and um, what's his name? And Bismack Bionbo. I do. I think they'd be better off. And then something else came in today. Uh, that Jamal Murray is questionable for Game 6 with a non-COVID illness. We'll see how that affects him. I think that's a big deal. I think if Jamal Murray doesn't play, Suns win this game. before it's a game seven. I'm saying that. I wanted to pick the Nuggets to close it out. I do. Uh, so I'm going to say this. I think Jokic is too good. He's been uh, the best player in the series in terms of uh, points. And in the playoffs, he's like third in points, uh, third in rebounds, first in assists. His efficiency is great. Uh, he's just too good. The Suns can't stop him. They just hope to contain him a bit throw them off in touch, hope their players make some more shots. But I'll say this. This is my prediction. If Jamal Murray starts, I'll roll with the Nuggets. If Jamal Murray doesn't play, he's out. I'll roll with the Suns. It's as easy as that. Uh, and I'll take Jamal Murray at 80% two That's going to be interesting to see if he plays. Uh, but that's how, uh, that's how I'm slicing it. That'll be interesting there. Now moving on to the all-NBA selections. Uh, yesterday, the all-NBA teams uh, were released, and I didn't have a problem uh, with any of them. Uh, I thought they were all, you know, very deserving, you know, especially the first team, Shea Gildas, Alexander, Luka Doncic, Giannis, Jason Tatum, uh, Joel Embiid, uh, very deserving. So congratulations to them. Uh, for the others who make second and third team, teams, De'Aaron Fox, Steph Curry, LeBron James, Jimmy Butler, all deserving. But it got me thinking, who are the best players of the NBA? You got 15 players there. Uh, I think one of them, I think Anthony Davis was a clear snub, at least for third team. I think he's very dominant when playing. So I'm going to give you my top 12 players in the NBA. And now... I'm just going to give you a 13. It was Damian Lillard. The reason I don't have him higher is because the playoff resume, uh, or it's really lack thereof, it's it's junky. He doesn't do anything in the playoffs. He doesn't even make it to the playoffs. He's made it to the conference finals once. So, again, I can't give much respect to that. Other players I like, you know, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, they're just too injury prone. Uh, so they're, To me, not right now in the current 12 NBA player list. uh, Again, most players that I just named would be outside. But if I start with number 12, it would be Devin Booker, who especially this past playoff run, he's been sensational offensively. Uh, The defense, I think, is dipped a touch because it's going so much on the offensive end. But when you're going 20 for 25, 14 of 18, uh, that is fine with me. Uh he's moved up this list he deserves it. However, the reason I can't have him higher or above him anybody else is because there's another player on his team who's higher on the list uh who is a super superstar. Uh and you can't be one of the, you know, top 5 best players if there's a teammate on your team that's better than you. And you know, I can't really rank them better than other superstar players as well. So number 12 and 11 are kind of similar boats if you want to flip 11 and 12. I don't really care. But 11 was Anthony Davis, Uh, considering how dominant he can be on the offensive end. uh, When he's engaged and then defensively, uh, I think he is the best defensive player, especially for stretches there. There's no one better than him. That's who I like. I think that's great um, for them. Uh, Anthony Davis when he's engaged and defensively. So, again, Devin Booker, Anthony Davis, 12-11. If you wanted to flip those. No problem with that at all. Number 10, John Morant, the true superstar of his team. Yes, he's had some weird off-the-court issues this past year. Uh, I'm not going to let that phase me from how brilliant he is on the court, how explosive he is. Even with his like broken hand in the playoffs, he still dropped 45. It was still the driving force of that team. Yes, he had a bad closeout night, but so did the whole team. Uh, but John Morant is really the engine that gets the Grizzlies going. He's the leader. Uh, he's the alpha there. Uh, his three-point shooting dipped a touchback uh, this past year. But I think John Rant is the real deal. His finishing, driving, um, super explosive. Number nine, Jimmy Butler. I got Jimmy Butler there at number nine. This postseason run has been epic uh, for him. Uh, you know, Leading the team in points. I think he's been the playoff MVP. Uh, He has been the guy that has run the show this whole season uh, for the Heat. He's second-team All-NBA, which I thought was fitting as well. It turns it up another notch in the playoffs defensively. I think he's the best two-way player in the NBA. Uh, Again, the steals that he gets, uh, the leader of the team, the alpha, uh, fits the Heat culture perfectly. I have him there at nine. Number eight. Luka Doncic. What can I say? Uh, uh, Luka legend. Larry Bird-like. Uh, he can shoot. He can create his own shot. Again, him and Jalen Brunson were a great combo. Last year, here. Took the team to the conference finals. Uh, this year, before the Kyrie trade, he had his team at fourth in the uh, conference. Uh, they were playing very well, very efficiently. They were not as terrible as a defensive team, then they trade for Kyrie, the defense very much goes off the rails. I don't think Luka and Kyrie fit. So then what does that do? Uh, forces them to miss the playoffs, and now Luka is in Cancun. So that's why I have to have Luka there at eight. I'd like to have him higher, but just can't be that way. Then number seven, Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum yesterday made another consecutive first-team all in NBA. There's a lot of respect around the league for Jason Tatum. I think he's the best player uh, on the Celtics. Some people think uh, Jalen Brown is more of the alpha, but Jason Tatum's skill set is unmatched there for the Celtics. I think Jalen Brown's a great number two for him. Uh, But Jason Tatum, Ali touted coming into the league, he's only made it to four or five Eastern Conference championships, broke through. Uh, in the finals last year, and made it, but lost and didn't play great. Uh, but he's you know two wins away from going back to the Eastern Conference Finals yet again. That's kind of his mo is getting to the Eastern Conference Finals. Number six, KD, got to put KD up there uh, in my list of top NBA players. He's a transcendent shooter. I think he's the best mid-range shooter. Of all time, uh, this year's split, he was 55-40-90, like 40, 90, uh, which is historic. Uh, never happened before. First time, and it was KD. I got to tip my hat off to him. Uh, in the regular season, never lost a game with the Suns. Uh, with Brooklyn, he got him all the way up to the 2 seed before he was injured, got traded, all that mess. And then in the playoffs, he hasn't been his super efficient self, uh, but If I had to take a guy one-on-one, there's not much I'd rather have than KD. Then we get to the top five. Number five, LeBron James. Now, there's been a lot of said in the media about LeBron. And, you know, this postseason run, averaging a low in points uh, for a postseason, I still think he's dealing uh, with a foot injury uh, that's kind of plaguing him that he was out. The latter half of the season for it. So again, to me, it doesn't feel like he has that same jump, especially from distance. Uh, He can still drive; is very effective that way. Uh, When engaged on defense, to me, again at 38 years old, not much better than LeBron James uh, right there. And again, as the leader of this team, although they go as AD goes, at times uh, the young guys on that team they look up to LeBron James. He's a leader. He's ahead of AD and a lot of other players in the league. Then you get to four. Now, this one was hard for me to put ahead of LeBron James, but that's Steph Curry. And Steph Curry has been fantastic. Again, he's getting up there in age. He's 35. Uh, He'll turn 36 later this year. But he is is the all-time three-point record holder. Uh, He just continues to get better, I think, this year and last year. Are some of the best years of Curry's career. I think even better than his MVP seasons because he's so much more renowned as a shooter. He really knows his spots. Uh, He takes those. He just had the 50 point uh, game seven masterpiece. He has triple doubles as well. Uh, His passing again is really unparalleled uh, in the league right now. Uh, Gets the other teammates involved. Uh, He's kind of, you know, on this, I think 2018. LeBron Pace, where LeBron didn't have much help in the playoffs, but it was kind of that one-man show where he took the Cavs to the finals. This, to me, is reminiscent where Klay Thompson is a shell of him, his former self when he's only making three shots every night. That's not good enough. Jordan Poole has regressed. Uh, Andrew Wiggins took a two-month sabbatical, and he comes back in. And Kevon Looney uh, is just for rebounds. Draymond Green is not that guy anymore. Steph is the engine of this team. The Warriors go how far he goes. Number three, Joel Embiid. Yes, he is the current MVP, but I don't have him at number one. Uh, offensively, I think he was very good this year. He improved his defense. But there's too many moments uh, where he's a disengaged, where... Uh, He's kind of lackadaisical to me. He's a more talented Anthony Davis. But some of those traits you don't like in Anthony Davis, uh, the effort and hustle is sometimes we see with Joel. When Joel puts it together, yes, he's the best player on the court, best player on the floor. But there's, I think, too many times, especially in this playoff series, with the Celtics, even though he's only played like four games, two of those, uh, Joel just goes missing. That's not what I want to see from the number one player, and from an MVP. Number two was even more tough for me to put here. And that was Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, he's, to me, been the best player for the past, like, three, three years. And so it was hard to demote him from number one to number two. Uh, and the only reason I did it was because he lost in the first round. Now he's been great. Uh, still with his third in MVP voting. Uh, he's a great defensive player. I believe he was snubbed from uh, All-NBA defensive team. But he was still a first-team All-NBA player. He has been the key for the Bucks' run. Uh, he, to me, is the best leader in the NBA. The players on his team uh, really look up to him. Uh, he's perfected what he does. He knows he's not a jump shooter uh, from distance. Uh, but he's honed in on driving to the basket, finishing at the rim. I think better than anyone else. Um, he's a walking double-double, 30 points, 15 rebounds. Uh, he can facilitate as well when needed. He can take the ball up the floor, especially for a power forward like him. That's tough to do. Uh, but he gets it done. He knows what's required for his team to win at all times. He's broke, broke through, won a championship, uh, and has consistently been, uh, I think, the Bucks the best regular season team in the East the past three years. Again, why he's not number one is because this past postseason run, and there's been a couple others as well outside of that championship run uh, that just makes me scratch my head. So then who is number one? Who is the best player in the NBA? Let's well, the other. Then than Nikola Jokic, Jokers Wild. Uh, that's his casino. He runs Jokers Wild now. Uh, he's been fantastic in the playoffs, third in points behind Devin Booker and Jimmy Butler. Uh, third in uh, rebounds, uh, first in assists, especially for a center to be first in assists. That's very impressive, averaging a triple-double in this series right now, like 30, 13, and 10. He's been fantastic. Uh, he's been the key to the Nuggets. A lot of people came in criticizing Nikola Jokic and the Nuggets because he's won two MVPs the past two years outside of this year, and a lot of people clamoring. When are we going to see playoff success? Uh, when is he going to get out of the first round? Well, people don't remember a bit in the bubble. He made it to the conference finals. Uh, yes, those past two years, he didn't make it that far. you got to remember remember the state of his team. He went back-to-back MVPs with basically no Jamal Murray those years, uh, Michael Porter Jr. still developing, uh, Aaron Gordon, not the player he was. Again, no KCP, some of those trades they made uh, last year, this year. Uh, to really surround Jokic with shooters. Uh, He's the most efficient player in the league. To me, he's got the most dominant play where he backs up to the post. Like the kick out, again, that's where most of his assists come. Uh, And then it's very hard to back Jokic down. Occasionally, he gets hot from three as well and can shoot that, which makes him even more dangerous. Now, he's not great defensively, but to me, that deficiency is overcome through with the offensive skill set, and how he's able to basically direct the offense, him and Jamal Murray. It's just fantastic to watch to me. Nikola Jokic is the best player in the NBA. And again, like I said earlier, if Jamal Murray dudes up tonight, plays with whatever illness he's got, they're winning that game tonight. This has been Unbothered. I'll talk to you all tomorrow. Bye, everybody.